0: The F1 Wrap. Welcome to the F1 Wrap. The F1 Wrap gets you quickly up to date with the best of F1 content from around the world, including news, the latest F1 tech, clever social bits, and everything you need for the upcoming race, all in 20 minutes max. Go to thef1wrap.com, where we link to everything we chat about today, and a whole lot more. Lights out. And the way we go, go, Go. Suzuka. wow what a hot mess that was nearly two weeks ago the rain caused a delay for the start and a red flag in lap three stopped the race for what seemed to be forever but once the race restarted max verstappen once again showed us who's boss in 2022 but when he was shown the recheckered flag many teams didn't know it was the last lap and max didn't know that he would be world champion it's kind of like the champagne, but without the fizz. Due to a poorly written rule around how many points are given for a shortened race, there was major confusion about how many points that Verstappen had just won. Then a penalty applied to Charles Leclerc meant that he dropped to third after Checo, while Verstappen ascended to world champion. It all unfolded quite sloppily in the cool-down room. Max learned of his new title from Charles Leclerc, who congratulated him and then as what seemed almost like a weird punishment he was escorted into a nearby quote unquote winner's room that felt like maybe he was given a timeout. it was super weird if you haven't watched it you gotta hit rewind and see this is how it's not supposed to be done when you win the world championship if liberty had hit a magic button in abu dhabi in 2021 To make some of the most memorable sports TV of all time. 2022 seemed like the FIA balancing a bucket of cold water on the top of a door to surprise Verstappen when he walked through. It was such an anti climax, I can't even overstate how underwhelming it was. If you want to hear a great podcast about it, the Autosport podcast from October 13, if you scrub over to 22 minutes, They wrap it up really nicely, and if I can kind of paraphrase it, you know, F1 has been growing leaps and bounds, but F1's biggest threat of killing fan excitement is not from outside, but it's actually from within. They are kind of their own worst enemy, and the way they delivered the World Championship to Max at Suzuka to me was super indicative of the problems that we're seeing with the FIA. Just look at what happened with the safety car at the end of the race in Monza and how that blew a potentially amazing race restart that would have rivaled Abu Dhabi in 2021, but in front of a hometown Monza crowd. It would have been just incredible. You know, I don't particularly cheer for one driver over any of the other ones, but I do think that Max really does deserve the crown this year. It was an absolutely masterful season from the young Dutchman. You know, he's a driver. He may not even be at the top of his game yet. I am so interested to see where this guy goes. So next up on the last couple weeks, it was the announcement that Red Bull had overspent their cost cap for 2021. Not even sure by how much at this point. It seemed like many teams were kind of hoping for some kind of good punishment, but I have a feeling that Red Bull will escape with just a slap on the wrist of some sort. But whatever happens, it's going to really set the tone moving forward for the cost cap in future years. Also last week, Nick DeVries was finally signed to AlphaTauri to race alongside Yuki Tsunoda who sadly had a miserable race at his home Grand Prix in Suzuka. Uh, Pierre Gasly moves to Alpine to join his French compatriot Ocon, which should make corporate quite happy, even though it was a colossal mess leading up to this deal, with Alpine losing Alonso and Oscar Piastri almost like within 24 hours of each other. It was super crazy. Unfortunately, no news yet on exactly what's happening with Danny Rick. Is he going to land as a Mercedes reserve driver for 2023? Or is he going to have to take a full sabbatical year, which I think is the kiss of death, personally. And let's talk about Pierre Gasly. He had a close call with a recovery tractor that was on the track during a safety car right before the red flag of lap three. Gasly came very close to hitting the tractor, which brings back memories for everybody who watched it live of that Jules Bianchi crash in hauntingly similar circumstances. But I went back and I watched Gasly's onboard camera. I followed the footage at the point right after where Gasly got the advertising hoarding stuck to his front wing. And i got to say, it didn't look good for Gasly. He drove that entire lap without being able to see forward, asking his engineers whether there was a car in front of him or not, which to me seemed super dangerous, and I can't believe he didn't get the black and orange flag for that. But he did pit, and when he went back out, He tried to catch up to the safety car, where he was driving over 200k, way too fast, under a safety car, albeit to try and catch up to the back of the safety car. So I do think that Gasly has some responsibility of being a bit of a dangerous driver during this period, but also there should not be tractors on the track until... Everybody's collected by the safety car. It's just crazy, especially in the wet. Let's see what the FIA does about this. And now it's time for our weekly track overview. Texas, it's really an incredible part of the US and really could be its own country. It's a place where everything seems bigger. The food, the drinks, the hats, They're all bigger than real life. This is the backdrop for the first modern race in the United States. In 2012, Circuit of the Americas was built as the first US racetrack specifically for Formula One. The race is 56 laps and 20 corners, over five and a half kilometers, and as us locals say, 3.4 miles. It tends to be a two-stop race with fairly high tire degradation due to the heat, so the undercut can play a factor. At the end of the straight, Turn 1 has a huge rise, going up a massive 14 stories, and there is a big bump at the entry, so picking your breaking point, especially at the start of the race, is crucial. At Turn 1, you can expect lockups, and drivers squeezing the rivals wide and off the track to ruin their run up to the amazing Turn 3. I personally love the look of turns 3-7, through which are beautiful winding sections that really show off the cars nicely. These turns very much remind me of the Maggot Beckett section of Silverstone. Not a place for overtaking though. If you are looking for passing, let's be honest, who isn't? The back straight is one great place for it. Keep an eye out for turn 12, which immediately follows the back straight and the following corners, 13 to 19, which some have compared to the last turns in Monaco, but they have space for passing. I'm looking forward to my first race at Austin. I hear the atmosphere is amazing, and it's already one of my favorite US cities with its incredible nightlife and the amazing food traditions from barbecue to Tex-Mex. Thanks for checking in with the F1 Wrap. We're a new show, so if you can, please subscribe and share an episode with a friend. Theme song is by Kevin Drew from Broken Social Scene. Thanks, Kevin. And I'm Eric Yale, and I'll see you next race weekend.